Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. You don't need a fancy degree. You don't need an MFA from graduate school to write your heart out. Today, Brenton Woodall stopped by the show and tells us about his story, and it's all true. Hey, this is Ryan from The Prolific Writer, episode number 91, coming at you. But first, some intro music. Welcome to The Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your prolific writer, podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. So glad that you are here. The podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often, and well, helping you get unstuck, helping you build a business with your art. And I am so glad that you are here, however you are hearing me, however you are listening to me in your ear canals, on the train, on the plane, walking the dog, working out, taking care of the kids, whatever you're doing. So glad that you are here, that you stopped by the show. And we have another great show for you today. Brenton Woodall has come on the show and uh, he is a very inspiring story. Uh, Grew up in New York. Everyone said he couldn't write, couldn't do it had some disabilities and he proved everyone wrong, went to college, did all kinds of cool stuff. And you're going to hear a great story. And hopefully you realize that to be a writer, you don't need a fancy degree. You don't need an MFA. And if you have one of those things, that's great. Uh, but those are, are things that are not necessary. And, uh, and, and millions, I don't know if I have data on that, but probably millions of writers don't have those degrees and yet they're making their writing dreams come true. So you're going to love this interview with Brenton Woodall. Today's got a new book coming out soon, which I'll put in the show notes. You can go check that out depending on when you are listening to this. We are at the end of January and I hope your January writing goals are 
coming to fruition. And if they're not, Hey, it's okay. We got 11 more months in the year. Maybe you set some goals for you for 2019 and just keep going, keep working at it. Maybe you need to readjust. Maybe you need to reevaluate. Maybe you just need to start getting some more words on the page and just, just start slow. And so, uh, I know I, my January has started a little bit slow, uh, but we're still cranking out some books and, uh, chipping away, as they say, editing some books that are ready to go. Uh, I should say polishing some books that are ready to go to the editors. Looking forward to getting those out into the world. I'll keep you apprised on those. And uh, some other cool stuff coming down the pipe. So hope you are doing well. Thank you for all your kind comments and emails and all the downloads. It is such a, a blessing to be able to do this and to provide you some of the most prolific writers on the planet and encourage you, inspire you, give you tips and tricks to continue to write and publish. And that's what we're here for. So I'm so glad that I can share this interview, my little chat with Brenton Woodall today. And so without further ado, here is me and Brenton. All right. Well, hey, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, and so glad today to have Brenton Woodall on the show. And uh, Brenton's got a new uh, book coming out, and I wanted to have him on the show, so I'm excited about that, to hear more about that. So uh, why don't you say hello, Brenton, and uh, tell us a little bit about your book coming out. Hi, everyone. My name is Brenton Woodall. Um, my, this book is my fifth book to be coming out on February 4th, called The Tailor in Heaven. It's an easy read for... Um, middle school and high school students, but it has valuable gems that I think we can all learn. Uh, the, the story is about a young kid, 17, named Kevin, who unfortunately um, gets into a car accident from doing illegal speed racing. And from there, he's put into a coma to um, bring down the swelling from his brain. And while he's in this coma, his grandfather comes to visit him and kind of helps him reset his life into a new trajectory of, of, of doing better and with that he decides to follow his father's footsteps his grandfather's footsteps excuse me to become a tailor and learn from who he taught in his past um to guide him the way of becoming a tailor and going to school for it and things of that nature well that sounds great um so hey why don't we uh when we talk we'll back it up a little bit and uh yeah i was, I was reading your bio a little bit sound like you have kind of a great uh kind of story of you know starting off a little rough and and people telling you maybe you know yeah. And some learning disabilities and some other things. So I want to dig into that, but you grew up in the New York area as I read. And uh, so yes. yeah, tell us a little bit about growing up and uh, kind of your influences. How'd you get into writing and uh, you okay. know, influences, stuff like that. Sure. Uh, I was born in the Bronx. I was lived there to about 11 years old. And then we moved to um, a suburb called um, North Amityville, which is about, it's in Long Island. so about 45 minutes from New York city. Uh, even there is still somewhat of a, of a rough area, but not as much as like the inner cities. And um, I think the reason why I was diagnosed the way I was, was part of it might have been learning disabilities or whatever they would say, but I think it's sometimes in a large classroom it's hard for, for kids to, to pay attention. So when you have a class of 35, it's kind of hard to keep everybody focused. So the easiest thing to do is probably to diagnose and make sure they don't fall track and then try to keep them abreast and keep them flowing straight. So I was always in normal classes, but I would have extra attention as well. So I just didn't use that as a um, as a crutch, and I just we just worked hard at school, even graduated college early, and uh, I just never used it as a crutch as far as that goes. And what made me become a writer? I didn't go to school for it. I majored in business and I minor in sociology, 
But about around 22 or 23, I realized that um, I had a passion for storytelling. So I wanted to explore that since I, since the corporate America sectors wasn't really kind of becoming my vibe as far as um, finding like secured work. So I just wanted to do something that I could control. And that was taking the time to write great stories and, and put them out to the world. Well, I love that. So tell me a little bit kind of, uh, I was looking at your, your, the books you've published now, are most of them kind of young adult um, genre? Are they adult or a little bit of everything? I, I would say young adult, but I think um, they're enjoyable for everyone to read. I think just kind of like uh, The Alchemist, how a lot of age brackets will read it, but it's kind of the, the focus of the writing is probably more for young adult, teenage kind of level. Okay. So t- tell me a little bit, um, kind of influences like, uh, books, you know, creativity, oh, like where, yeah. where did that come from? Like what, how, where, where's kind of the genesis of some of your stories? Some of the genesis is just the relationship I wish I had with my grandfather. So the dream of the boy called 22 is kind of that, the higher, um, anarchy of, of a grandfather figure talking to his grandson and kind of guided him through, through his wisdom. And the same thing with the tailor in heaven. Um, so I would say my grandfather played a big part, even though, I've only had about 10 or 11 years with him, but like it was, he was such a, a big part of my life, I guess, of the foundation that it's easy to go back to those places and think of what he would tell me now um, as far as lessons go and just kind of write from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my favorite books that uh, made me want to write that way was kind of um, Tuesday with Moy Tuesday with Moy with Mitch Album, because just the whole dynamic of an older gentleman speaking to a younger one and just speaking about life and just appreciating the, the small things. So mm. I think that was kind of like the genesis of me wanting to write and in that field of kind of levels. And then when I wanted to challenge myself, I try to write from a female's perspective in my other book called Cancer in the Lottery, which is basically about a young woman who finds out that she won the lottery, but within 24 hours found out she has cancer. So with her 30 minutes, 30 remaining days left, she tries to write a guideline for her friends to follow suit and what she would have wished to do with the lot, with the money that she won't just want. So I like that. Thank you. I I think that's a a great example of kind of where you get ideas from and, you know, uh, they're kind of everywhere. I mean, you think of your grandfather, you think of, you know, books you read and kind of playing with that. And I I think that's what hangs up a lot of writers too, is they go, I just don't have any good ideas or I'm struggling to find an idea, but sometimes it's just, I think I heard you say, you know, something my grandfather would say, or you know, even just yeah. the seed of that, like what, what's the wisdom he would, you know, and then you turn it into a character, you turn it into kind of your own version or, or whatever it is. Um, I think just also being able, sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean to do that. No, it's fine. Um, just taking the time to actually live life a little bit, I think helps you get enough storytelling just by having conversations with, with good friends and going out to eat with just random friends of yours through your Facebook. I try to, um, go out to eat at least once a week with um, a random friend of mine from the past and just catch up and be surprised what kind of inspiration that just brings you mm-hmm. just by talking to them. So, yeah, it's, it, uh, you know, always be careful because if you have friends, they might end up in your book. So be nice to each other. <laughs> um, Definitely. Yeah. So, so let's go back a little bit further. So, um, you know, when, when was kind of the first, you know, thought of writing or, or story that you kind of put down on paper? Was that like high school? Was that after high school? No, it was, it was the first book I actually put out the dream of the boy called 22. Um, I was reading the alchemist and I realized I felt like he wrote in such a simple way, but there was so much to take from it that I thought if I could write that simple as a, as a novice, then maybe I can write a book too. So I, I played around with the idea. I wrote the book, but then my computer broke. So I had to rewrite it all again. 
And me knowing that I was okay with rewriting it again, let me know that I'm willing to do what it takes to be successful at this. So then I just continue after I finished my first book and took it to an editor and then published it independent. Okay. No, that's great. And, and you know, I think, uh, you know, that's a good, I, I've just been thinking about that today. It's funny you're saying this. Uh, you know, you look at, you read all these books and then you just see how different writers are. I mean, some like The Alchemist, very simple language, you know, some write very flowery, very technical. And, right. and it kind of shows you that, you know, every author, every writer is different. And, you know, you don't have to write one way or you don't have to say, well, this is what good writing looks like. Um, right. Because, you know, people resonate with that too. And I, I think in our day and age, I mean, simple, shorter is better too with people's attention spans. <laughs> and, you know, people don't right. want to read a thousand page book. At least I don't. But, um, but yeah, no, that's I agree. something for everybody. And right now I've, I've learned that um, probably this is the best way to go is maybe keep it to 150 pages paperback, maybe mm-hmm. 80 in Kindle. But the simple fact is um, you got to be value of people's time. They have other things going on, but they do probably want to get a good reading for whatever mm-hmm. the value is. So I try to think of the, the reader as far as how to write it and what to put in it and how efficient I can be for them to enjoy it and get all the messages that I wanted to get across. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, you think you live in New York, you know, riding on the subway, you know, buses, trains, like people, you know, looking at their phones, like that's a perfect avenue for people to, you know, get in a good story and, or, you know, they're at the gym or whatever. Um, you know, people just don't have the time to, to read, you know, a thousand page thing, but, um, so, so let's talk a little bit, just going back to, you know, you, you're reading The Alchemist, you know, you started writing yeah. about your first book. Um, you know, did you have any idea where to start or, you know, did you have an outline? Did you just go for it? Talk, I just went, I just went for it. And then I realized um, going for it was the best thing. And I think not having prior knowledge on how to do it, because then I probably would have felt overwhelmed, but just wanting to tell a good story was the first part. And then. From there, I went to like YouTube and Google to be my, my best associates and assistants of how to mm-hmm. actually navigate through the through the publishing world of at least being able to produce it myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came across um, sites like CreateSpace and other publishers that you know charge to mm-hmm. get your book on certain various platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would you what would you say just for a lot of people listening? I mean, that are kind of just sure. starting out, just jumping in. What, what would be some some lessons you learned, kind of you know, as far as publishing or what was most helpful or, or maybe even things you did poorly that you'd want to do different. Share a little bit of that. I think um, finding a good editor just because you just writing as a novice, you're just writing what's in your heart and you're going to have errors. I think every writer does. So mm-hmm. it's taking the time to find somebody that is a stickler for editing and, and give it to them. Maybe give a few copies to friends and tell them to mark it up as whatever you see wrong. Cause and let them know it's like, you thought you might've caught everything, but you probably didn't. And if they see anything, don't hesitate to to mark it up and let me know so I can see if it makes sense. So I can readjust it before you even send it to an editor. Mm-hmm. So it's less out of your pocket to do more than two or three revisions with, with an editor. No, that I think would that's be my suggestion. Yeah, that's really wise. Uh, especially like your first one, you know, you learn a lot about what you don't do right. well or what you do well. And yeah. getting, you know, rewrites or notes back from an editor really is kind of a, a you know, almost like a, classroom you know to learn no, how to write you know and go like oh wow geez i do that i do do that a lot or that's not correct or or what have you um right. where did you find um your first editor i found it through um a friend he, he he recommended me to a particular website and i just looked through it and um i took a chance with somebody that i liked mm-hmm. the reviews about them 
So um, I used uh, like a particular website, but I think if you Google, you could find different editorial sites that would do it. I would recommend you find somebody that's probably like an English professor, at least for your first book. You just really want it to be as clean as possible and um, just make sure that the reader gets an enjoyable view of your book because you some people will consider it being a knock to be independent. So you just want it to be as clean as possible and do everything you can as pristine as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, did uh, uh, was did the did the editor send you any um, you know sample of their work or kind of give you like some feedback first before uh, you kind of jumped in with both feet or did you just go go find the? First I think first? I just dove right in because um, I felt comfortable in the story. I just wanted to make sure the grammatical things were, were taken mm -hmm. care of. Things that you know you you only learn but so much within your college classroom, in your high school classroom. Right. You just hope that they would um, make you sound smarter than you are sometimes. <laughs> this story for sure. That's so good. that's really what I focused on. So then, then walk us through. So you, you know, you write the story, you kind of Google stuff, you know, you get right. some, some ideas of, of how to, what, what was kind of the next phase once you got out of the editing, um, you know, as far as like cover format, what, what was the process? For um, that? I used Fiverr.com at first to try to find a cover, which could cost you 10 to $15 depending on your budget. But I didn't like any of those covers. So I went to like, Looked up friends of mine that are into like visual designs and stuff. And one of my good childhood friends actually designed my first cover for me. And I paid him about maybe $30, $40 as a thank you. <laughs> Excuse me. And from there, um, he was able to get what I wanted basically uh, from us looking at images and then kind of distorb, you know, um, altering it the way I would like it to be as far as our first cover would go. And from there, we got our first cover. And I just promoted the cover at first on social media to get, gain interest before I started doing everything else just to, to gauge how much money, more money to spend on maybe marketing and things like that. Mm -hmm. Cause I wanted to make sure I could at least recoup what I put in. So that was like a big concern for me personally. Mm -hmm. Now, did you, you know, did you do any research as far as, you know, where your book kind of fits as far as genre, you know, is, is this, you know, is this book kind of like this? Is it kind of like this? I mean, as far as cover design, uh, I, I try to um, Google like the title of my book and like just di different keywords and, see what kind of fit, um, try to picture like where I want my book to stand in a bookshelf. And from there, I kind of picked out the category for my mm -hmm. first book until I learned a little bit more of what makes what into mm -hmm. categories. Right. Yeah. Cause that's, that's really important. Uh, you know, for those listening, it, it's the, you know, genre, making sure the cover kind of fits with the genre where, where it's going to, going to go is, is just doing a little research and saying, you know, what, what do covers look like today? What, you know, what, right. what's the kind of vibe? And it doesn't mean you have to copy them, but you know, you want your book to stand out, of course. Um, but you know, if it, if it doesn't really fit with, you know, the genre and the types of books you're writing, then, right. you know, you might want to rethink that. But, but no, you said something interesting about, you know, Fiverr. And, and again, I, I think a lot of people, um, you know, again, it, the cover's not good. Hey, you only lost 10 bucks or 15 bucks, but you right. know, you have friends, you have people at local colleges that are artists that are designers. Like you don't have to spend a ton of money. I think I, I just hear so many authors just kind of, I don't want to say wasting, but they are spending, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars on a cover and, I don't think you need to, especially your first few books. No, not at all. I think that could be used somewhere viable, more viable mm -hmm. for um, maybe marketing, maybe the editors. If, you know, that money could be spent elsewhere. Yeah. So, sure. so, yeah, let's talk about that. So marketing, um, what, you know, when you were kind of first book, two, three, you know, I don't know how many you have uh, now, I think four, maybe four or five. I have four before this one drops. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything, you know, as far as marketing that's been helpful for you or what's been working for you? Um, any advice uh, you'd give on that? A lot of Facebook, social media, um, just whenever you gain a new friend, just I, I would suggest just writing them 
just a simple conversation, keep a flow of conversations going with those that you think would be that are already interested in your book to let them know that you value them as as a supporter. So I used a lot of social media at first and um, I use like certain people with media um, email blasts since I don't have my I didn't have my own platform at all at the time. So using like Fiverr also for like the little email marketing blasts and stuff to let your book get out there kind of helped and different independent um, websites for um, Kindles and, and things of that nature um, definitely helps. And you can find ranges for fifteen to twenty five dollars uh, for like three dollar books and things like that for bargain books. So it's all out there. Uh, I just recommend everyone just searching and finding out what you want your budget to be, and then executing what you think will help mm-hmm. build out your platform and, and reach the, the biggest audience possible. So, so let's talk. About, so let's dig in a little further. So you know, you're you just jumped right in, wrote the first book, trying to figure it out. You know, published it, format, cover, all that. Um, tell us a little bit how your process has evolved. Like what have you kind of learned from that first book to your book now? I mean, are you, are you doing outlines now? Are you, um, I am doing more outlines. Yeah. How, how are you working on that? Um, I use, actually, I just use a notebook like this and I just would write down the idea basically for the whole first chapter, maybe five paragraphs, six paragraphs. And then I give myself a goal of a word count since I do work in nine to five sometimes. You know, I don't have all day to work, but I know if I can spend two hours in the morning to get to 1,500 words and another two hours at night to get, a, get another 1,500 words, I have a chapter done, and then I can move on to the next chapter. So I try to initially think of my beginning and my end and let, like, kind of my world kind of find its way through the middle while I'm writing my summaries of how I want the story to go, and then I just try to execute on paper. So do you have do you have a kind of in mind like how long you want the book to be? Yeah, told? I, I try to I try to always give myself a word count that I'm okay to to be with. So for this book, I think it was about twenty three or twenty four thousand words, just because I wanted it to be a fast read, but make sure I, I gave all the lessons I wanted to give within mm-hmm. the book. So I would basically maybe make a, a twelve chapter book for that, and then from there maybe write five paragraphs of what I want to be done within each chapter, and make sure I get to the ending that I desire from the beginning of the inception of the idea. Okay. So you kind of have an idea like each chapter is going to be, let's say, I think you said, you know, it's probably about 2000 or so right. per chapter, 12 chapters. And that kind of gives you a good, good read through. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, so talk a little bit about that as far as, you know, being, um, is there a certain genre that you really want to write, continue to write in, or is there other genres you want to kind of explore or? I, I'm going to try to explore more because I'm fearful of being boxed in. If one of them becomes a major hit, then I'm stuck mm-hmm. to only do that. So, right. So for the last three or four years, I made a conscious decision of just doing standalones. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start to do a series um, for 2020. So I'm starting to write those books out all now so I can release them all at one time. So that's kind of my goal of my 2019 goals of writing to set up for 2020. And I'm working on a crime series. So I'm doing about 55 to 60,000 words, which is still a lot less than most crimes. But I think for the audience that I've built, it will be digestible just to give them that much of a amount of a mm-hmm. workout for them to still go on with their day, but read a good book. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, you know, like we talked about earlier, just our day and age, like, you know, the hundred thousand word book is kind of going away. And, and I right. think, you know, if you really are a reader, a lot of times what's my frustration is when I read a book and there's so much filler, you know, or there's just kind of subplots that go off for, you know, a hundred pages that don't really need, they're not really even that necessary. And, uh, but yeah, keeping those reads kind of quick and fast and people interested, I think is, is, is really important. Definitely. That's, that was my fear. I think as a starting writer is, um, just writing just to write. I wanted to make sure every everything I wrote had an intention and a purpose in each character. So it's not much fuller, but um, 
in this day and age, people want to just think outside the box too. So like even leaving them with the thought of what what a color shirt might be might be helpful just because they get to put the image in their mind of how they see everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't want to put as much detail as you might think. If you, it depends on the type of writer you are though as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, the old kind of literary novels, you know, the, that we call classics, you know, they, so many of them were, um, you know, they describe a tree for, you know, three pages or whatever. And, uh, you know, I think that th- those kind of books are going away, you know, and, and I think it's important to let the reader, you know, let you, like you said, use their imagination and, right. you know, you don't have to give them everything. That's part of the fun of reading is trying to imagine what the character is like or what they look right. like or what exactly. the situation is not just tell them everything. Cause that's, you know, kind of, you know, show versus tell, but, um, but no, that's really good. That sounds like you're learning a lot, um, along the way. So, um, yeah. So what's, what's kind of like the big, the big goals for your writing, you know, is it, is it eventually like ditch the, the day job or what's, what, what's kind of your, you know, for this year, next year? You got well, I would love to, um, well, every book I write, I try to write a screenplay to it and try to pitch it. So I try to basically make everything that, that I write as a paperback, I can control that destiny. And then I try to adapt into a screenplay of whatever I thought I could have done better the next time around. I try to make it, add those elements into a screenplay, mm-hmm. try to sell them. So right now I'm in the process of working on a few short films just to get my name out there more as a screenwriter. But basically for every book I wrote, I have a, a draft of a script already ready just in case anybody's interested. So I would love to make this my full-time job. And I just want to be a great writer in every medium possible that I get my hands on. That's really cool. I like that. So I've had a lot of like screenwriters that write, you know, end up writing novels. So t- talk, talk a little bit kind of, you know, doing it the ba- the backwards way. So you write the book and then you write the screenplay. What's, what's I think the- writing a novel is, is, is harder than a screenplay because mm-hmm. a book requires much more detail than um, the structure of a screenplay. You Screenplay is so, so much structure to it. You can't, you can't deviate, deviate so much. So once you have the actual book, um, you could just copy and paste and then take out what, can't be in there because the structure was, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. then, uh, you, yeah, screen, yeah, screenplays are very rigid. I mean, you can't. Right. There's like a formula, and you can't. Exactly. You can't, Everything can't has to be in motion. Nothing is, you know, nothing is for description necessarily. Besides yeah. what the characters are doing in that moment, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you have you? How did you learn how to do uh, screenplays? Is there any any resources you recommend or? Um, Final draft. Reached out to a few people for help, and um, I just started writing scripts that were horrible as far as structure goes. Mm-hmm. Took those to an editor, got ripped apart, put my pride to the side, then learned from those <laughs> and got better. So you know, I just try to um, put in a certain amount of hours for each script too. So for each script, I try to put in at least forty hours of me just critiquing myself and getting through it and trying to make it to the best of my ability and then trusting the editor to get it where it needs to be so it can be presentable to the outside world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's how I keep myself sane of, of not going overboard and just focus on me being a creative and let someone else that's into being rigid and, and, and take care of those things. If that's their skill set, I trust I'm with it and I'm going to pay you what you deserve to do that because I know that's something that I don't have the patience for and that stifles me from wanting to create more if I focus on, on just everything editorial thing I would have to take care of. Mm-hmm. But I like this. This is, you know, interesting because I, I think writers too, when you think about, you know, different streams of income or different ways of kind of getting right. your work out there, it's, there's so many opportunities. I mean, you know, writing the novel, you said screenplay, you know, print, ebook, audio, you know, you name it, right. just another avenue in which you can kind of get your work out there. And no, absolutely. I, I, I think this is a great, I mean, those people that are listening to is, is to consider that is that, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, it's funny, I, I wrote a middle grade novel 
Um, and I didn't really think of it at the, at the time, but someone read it and they said, you know, this is a movie. Like this is like a kid's movie. And, and right. I, I wrote it very intentionally. It was very action packed, you know, moved really fast. And it was like, yeah, I could totally see a kid, you know, kind of a diary of a wimpy kid kind of movie, you know, yeah. out of this. And you realize, yeah, that's, that's actually kind of, I think where people are too, it's like, can you exactly. imagine as a film as well? You know, and, and that's the, that's the space I try to write in for everything mm-hmm. because you want you want to get the big look of an adaptation because that's just gonna bring more people to your to your actual physical writing. So mm-hmm. that's been my goal since day one is writing those conscious great stories that can lead into like maybe um, a great screenplay to become a movie, kind of like a Bronx Tale. It, it moves fast, but it's it's just a, such a great simple classic story mm-hmm. of boy meets girl, but still trying to figure out his own world and get away from what can be considered negative to reach something brighter at the end of the day. So. Yeah. And, and I don't know that much about, um, you know, optioning, you know, screenplays, all that kind of stuff. But I know like people would even pay you, you know, even if it doesn't get made, cause that's kind of out of your hands. You right. know? And, and that's what people don't realize. Like people make a living. They never see it on the screen, but they sell right. the book exactly. or the script or whatever. And uh, you can get your script option for maybe a thousand to $10,000. And then for six months to a year, mm-hmm. the, the producer that buys the option will try to get it into someone else's hand that's bigger for a studio to get a budget. And so it's a big lucrative business. It's just knowing the right people, getting the right people behind you and believing in your work for sure. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, so, uh, so tell us, uh, Brent, a little bit. Um, one of the things that I always, always ask our, our writers, regardless of where they are on their journey, if they've written one or two or three or five or 10 books sure. is, you know, what are some kind of one to three writerly truths that you would want to kind of inspire, encourage other writers that are listening, you know, whether they're just starting or whether they've already written, you know, what are some things you've kind of learned along the way that you've found really helpful to just kind of keep on going and doing the work? I learned that um, no matter how, you're going to always be hard on yourself. So it's, once you already finished critiquing yourself and you think you got it to the best place, it's okay to put it out to the world. And as long as you know you did your best, putting it out to the world and let them decide, let the marketplace basically decide where, where, where it will lie. But as long as you know you put the work in and you put the hours in and you left every stone on turn, then it's okay just to let it go and not hold on to it and harbor it to keep it your baby. You gotta, you know, you create to give to, to give it out. So just continue to put in the work to continue to put out your work to not just stand still and be fearful of what the outcome might be. Just trusting, trusting yourself and trusting all the things you've done to um, even write what you already written. I love that. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it's so, so we're our worst critic and, uh, you know. Exactly. And- it's hard when you're so immersed in the work and you just like, ah, I don't know if this is any good or, you know, right. it's kind of removing yourself from that and just trusting the process. I love that. I would like to think that, you know, no one has the password to my laptop. So God forbid something happens to me. And if I have all these books in here, no one else gets to see it. That's a, that's a scary idea for me for somebody that wants to do this for the rest of his life. So mm-hmm. I just, as soon as I think I'm done and as soon as I'm comfortable with it, I just try to find a way to get it out to the world. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. So we should do it for it. Although you like to please yourself. you you're trying to please everyone else that take the chance to meet you as well. Yeah. I love that. Uh, so Brent, so tell us, uh, tell a little bit, you, now you've mentioned, tell us again, your, your book that's coming out. It's actually, if yep. depending on what people are listening to this, it's going to come out any day now. Um, and then kind of where we can find you and, and find all your stuff. The Taylor in heaven will be available on Amazon and Kindle. Uh, it's up for pre-order now until February 4th. It comes out physically, digitally, and in a few weeks after, I'm working on the audio book to have that out for everyone as well. Great. Now, and I could be found on Instagram, okay. Facebook, and Twitter, all by my first and last name, Brenton Woodall. 
Perfect. I'll put all those in the show notes. Well, hey, Brendan, you have a, a great story. And uh, I love just the people, you know, kind of saying, hey, you're not going to measure up. You got disabilities. You, you worked hard and, and said, hey, I'm going to show them wrong. Get this desire yeah. to tell stories and you're doing it. And uh, so thanks for coming on the show and inspiring a lot of people. And uh, thank you. Thank yeah, you for having me. Hope your book sells a ton. I'll put it all in the show notes. Go, go get Britain's book. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation. Brenton Woodall. Thanks, Brenton, for coming on the show. Go check out his work. He's got a book coming out any day now. And love, love, love his story, his passion, his drive. Didn't grow up in the, the greatest circumstances. Was told that he couldn't do it. Had a disability. There's no way he's going to achieve anything. And he proved everyone wrong. And, and I think that's the, the writing spirit that as much as we know writing is art and as much as we know there's a creative side to it it really is often a grit and and often it's doing the work it's showing up it's it's not letting those voices in our head or those circumstances or people around us tell us that we can't can't do it and uh, so thank you brenton for coming on the show and inspiring us and encourage us giving us some great tips and help uh, from your writing journey so before we sign off today i have three quick things thing number one if you enjoy the show and you've been listening, maybe it's your first time or maybe for a while, could you leave a rating or review on iTunes? That really helps us get the show out into the world. So thank you everyone that has left kind ratings and reviews. And uh, if you get a chance, I'll put that in the show notes. It's really simple. A couple clicks and you can help us out. So thank you for doing that. Secondly, if you'd like to support the show, uh, all the shows of the Project Entertainment Network, which we are part of, 21 other shows, are on Patreon.com. And if you sign up on Patreon and support the show, this show and other shows, uh, you're going to get some cool swag, some stories, some other cool stuff, some signed stuff and books and all kinds of stuff. You can check that out. I'll put that in the show notes. And that would really support our show and all the shows on the Project Entertainment Network. And go check out some of those other shows. There's a lot of great ones out there on writing and pop culture and, and uh, all kinds of stuff. So check that out. And then third, I've mentioned this last week and maybe before is I have a free writing course coming out. That's almost ready to come out. And if you are interested in this free writers workshop, uh, some things that I've been thinking about a lot of things we talk about on the podcast, putting it into video form for you to take your writing to the next level. Uh, Hey, hit up our newsletter, and if you sign up for the newsletter, you'll be in the loop on when that course is coming out. So I'll put the link to the uh, website in the newsletter, and if you sign up, uh, I'll make sure you hear about the course, and there'll be some other cool stuff coming down the road. And that's just another way to kind of stay in touch with the show and new episodes and articles and, and other cool stuff coming out. Uh, so thank you, everyone, for listening today, the Prolific Writer Podcast. And before we go, I just have one more thing I need to encourage you and exhort you with is go get more words on the page. And this is Ryan J. Pelton, the prolific writer, and I'll talk to you real, real soon. Every person's story has something to teach us how others view life, how obstacles are overcome, how joy is felt how fears are faced, how love is expressed. The Matters of Faith podcast explores individual stories of people's lives and how faith plays a part. It may not be your story, but it may help shape yours. The Matters of Faith podcast with Jay Wilburn is on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 